From the CPRI Knowledge Hub and CPRIHub.org, this is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research in education. Today, we look at social emotional learning, or SEL, and the methods we use to track qualities like grit, conscientiousness, and self efficacy in students. It's usually with surveys where students are self reporting their SEL, which means that we're asking them to tell us about their SEL competencies but not demonstrate those competencies. So there are all kinds of issues that that crop up there. We welcome NWEA senior research scientist, Jim Soland, who recently led a study of assessment metadata to determine if there is a link between SEL competencies and a student's behavior on tests and surveys. We looked at item response times. We looked at rapid guessing rates. We looked at item non-response. And then finally, careless answering. And in general, we found pretty strong associations between those kind of behaviors and three big things. Solans joined CPRI research specialist Tesla Dubois to discuss his findings and the limitations and potential future applications of student metadata. It's just incredible in this new big data environment how much information we get on a daily basis. And I be willing to bet there are a lot more clues in there about when students are disengaging and what that means for getting extra data on social emotional learning needs. That's right now on Research Minutes. Hi, and welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Tesla Dubois, Research Specialist at the Consortium for Policy Research and Education at University of Pennsylvania's Graduate School of Education. I'm joined today by Jim Soland, Senior Research Scientist for the Collaborative for Student Growth at NWEA. It's great to have you, Jim. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. We're here today to discuss your new study, which you co-authored with University of Arkansas's Hema Zamaro, Albert Chang, and Colin Hitt. It's titled Identifying Naturally Occurring Direct Assessments of Social-Emotional Competencies, Promise and Limitations of Survey and Assessment Disengagement Metadata. It was published earlier this month in Educational Researcher and offers an intriguing new look at social-emotional learning, specifically how we measure and understand competencies like self-efficacy, conscientiousness, and grit. What led you to set out on this line of research? The origin story for this study uh, is a little long, uh, so I'll try and condense it. But this study that we're talking about is a lit review on the ways that the data we capture on students' behavior when they take a test or a survey or some other measure can tell us something about their social-emotional learning needs. And we conducted the review because we found strong connections between test behaviors and students' social-emotional learning, or SEL, in our own work. As an example of that, I've seen that students who spend a long time on very difficult test questions tend to have much higher self-efficacy than some of their peers, which is, you know, self-efficacy is just another term for confidence in their academic abilities. And similarly, Hema, uh, Albert, and Colin have found that students who take a survey and skip items or answer haphazardly are not only less likely to finish high school, but also tend to have lower earnings. And so there are all these connections between metadata and behaviors related to social-emotional learning. And we started to think about the topic because research shows that SEL is hugely important to all these outcomes, 
But the way we measure it is less than ideal. It's usually with surveys where students are self-reporting their SEL, which means that we're asking them to tell us about their SEL competencies, but not demonstrate those competencies. So there are all kinds of issues that, that crop up there. So it sounds like there are substantial limitations to the current measures. What impact does this measurement shortage have on students or on the effectiveness of school supports? The measurement challenges in SEL play themselves out in a couple different ways, and they all have implications for practice, policy, and research in education. Probably the first big one is just that even when we have data on SEL, we can't always be sure that they're good data. We, as I mentioned, often use surveys to measure these things, but oftentimes their self-report, which means students are just telling us whether they have high self-efficacy. And those self-reports can be biased because of social desirability or students are more or less likely to acquiesce or their self-perceptions and evaluations are just a little off. There can be ceiling effects because it's pretty hard to ask people questions where they say, yeah, this is an area that my social emotional learning is, is really low on the scale. And there are contextual effects. So for example, if you ask a kid, how hard do you work? That might mean something different if you're in an international baccalaureate school versus some other school. So there are all these potential measurement problems. And even though there are some cutting edge new ways to measure SEL coming out, there's no guarantee that you get around all of these, these issues. So the real question is just how much do you trust the data that you're getting? And right now, the trust in a lot of what we see is, is pretty low. The second big area I'd say is just that we often lack data, data on SEL altogether, which means that, you know, teachers can't make database decisions or do data driven instruction. Policymakers can't always understand whether programs and policies are affecting SEL. Researchers don't have outcomes uh, to look at in their own studies related to SEL. So in the absence of any kind of data, you're really just left to intuition about students or just not being able to do any of the types of analyses and practices that you might otherwise like to. So those are the two big areas that the measurement problem in SEL is, is pretty huge. If you don't mind, I'd love to have you give us a brief overview of your approach to this study. What were you hoping to find and how did you go about finding it? Sure. As I alluded to earlier, we'd seen you know, all these connections between testing behaviors, survey behaviors, and SEL, but we didn't know what the broader field had to say about it or, or how it all come together beyond our own work. And one of the real challenges here is this is very much an emerging field and there aren't that many people doing related work. So we started by talking to experts in fields that are a little bit different yet related. As an example, Steve Wise is one of my colleagues here at NWEA. And his career has largely been devoted to using metadata like response time to detect survey and test disengagement. So we turned to him and asked experts like him. And then from there, once we had a sense of what all we should be canvassing, we did a more standard systematic search of relevant databases that have scholarly works, articles, see what else in, in this area exists. And we found quite a few studies that were related to our search terms, but very few that made any direct connection between SEL and assessment behavior metadata. So even after going through a pretty arduous process of combing through what's out there, 
it still ended up only being you know, a dozen or so studies that we really focused on. And lastly, I should mention that we didn't really have any preconceived notion of what we'd find, but there was a clear narrative emerging in our own work. And we just wanted to know if the broader field was finding confirming or disconfirming evidence. What did you ultimately find? There are a few different findings that come out of the work. So just as a starting place, I should mention that we looked at four different types of metadata that come from tests and surveys. So we looked at item response times, which is how long students spend on a test question. We looked at rapid guessing rates, which is when a student gets a test question and provides some answer so quickly, there's virtually no way that the item's content could have been understood. We looked at item non-response, when students take a survey or test and just don't give an answer. And then finally, careless answering, which is when a student might be taking a survey and they're just all over the place picking ones and fives, and it's kind of haphazard. So we looked at those things, and in general, we found pretty strong associations between those kind of behaviors and three big things. The first is their social-emotional competencies. So things like self-regulation, self-efficacy, conscientiousness, and grit. The second is that we found a big association between the metadata and behaviors suggestive of school disengagement. So, for example, students who rapidly guess more on test questions oftentimes have higher suspension rates, higher rates of chronic absenteeism, more course failures. And part of the reason that mattered to us is that all of those things tend to predict that a student is at risk for dropping out. So there seems to be this connection between how much you engage on a test and how much you're engaging in school in general. And the third big one, which comes more from Hema and Albert and Collins' work, and that I, I found surprising but really compelling, is that a lot of these testing behaviors are pretty strongly related to later life outcomes, including years of education, whether students finish high school, and their earnings. So all told, the little minute behaviors the kids are showing on a test seem to be related to all of these much bigger picture issues, including their social-emotional learning. So as you well know, there's a growing focus on social-emotional learning in the U.S. What do you think are the implications of your study for practitioners and education policymakers? I think one of the most helpful parts to me anyway of engaging in this whole exercise of doing the study is that like with any new source of data or new tool, we really thought carefully and identified some potential promising practices with these sorts of data, but also some pretty big limitations. And so I think that the biggest takeaway from all of this is, is articulating those. And in terms of the promise of these sorts of testing behaviors and the metadata that capture those behaviors, one potential use is to help validate results from other SEL measures. For example, if a student reports very high belief in their academic abilities, but they get difficult test questions and are skipping them or moving through them very quickly, then you might worry about self-report bias on the survey. And one of the things that kind of fascinates me about this is that if you are administering a survey on conscientiousness or uh, any of these things that we've talked about, you can actually use 
the survey and the metadata from that survey as a check against self-report bias on the same survey. So it's, it's this nice little tool tucked into what you're already doing. The metadata can also provide a crude proxy for certain SEL competencies when no data are available. Like when the school just doesn't collect an SEL survey, program evaluators don't have the outcomes, researchers have a data set that didn't include SEL, but you have some metadata. And one of the best parts about it is that it's very cheap. All of these sorts of metadata tend to get picked up just in the course of regular testing and measurement regimes within schools and districts. So it's it's pretty readily available information. Another promise is potentially as an early warning indicator. There's a lot of research showing that, you know, if a student engages in this behavior, like being chronically absent, there's a pretty high likelihood they drop out. Seems like disengaging on a test or survey might be similar. So there could be some early warning implications there. And as I mentioned, so a few promising options, but there are also really big limitations with using these sorts of behaviors as some sort of proxy for SEL. First off, not all of the constructs, social emotional learning constructs we looked at were really related to disengagement. So for example, growth mindset didn't seem to be too strongly correlated with some of these behaviors. And perhaps most importantly, you need a lot more validity evidence to actually call these metadata measures because they could be picking up a bunch of things. You know, on the one hand, how long a kid spends on a test question could be about their self-efficacy, but it could also be that the test was right before lunch and they were rushing to get to lunch. So there, there are lots of things that could be going on. And maybe a final limitation that I'll mention here is that one of the reasons people want better SEL measures is for accountability purposes or at the very least evaluation. And it's pretty clear that just like surveys can be gamed, these sorts of metadata could easily be gamed too. So they're, they're really useful in a formative data-driven sense, not so much for accountability purposes. Are there any opportunities for future research, either for your team or for others working in this area? Yeah, there are a few areas of research that I think we're all excited about. And I, I would venture to say that all of us on the paper will be engaging in this work for, for quite a while in one form or another. And the strands, at least I see in my work, are several fold. One is just more and more people are using these sorts of metadata like response times to improve the measurement of achievement. So you might imagine if two students get the same answers on a test, but one does it in half the time, if you think the time is relevant to what you're assessing, then that might give you a slightly different answer. So thinking about achievement and some of these pieces. At a more basic assessment level, just continuing to find new ways to detect test and survey disengagement. Uh, so how do we tell when we're getting good data or not? I think there's a lot still to be unlocked there, and, and there are lots of other people who are doing great work in that field as well. The one that's probably most specific to this study is just continuing to validate potential uses of metadata in an SEL space. So we don't know exactly what happens if a district decides they want to use these as early warning indicators, or if we put these in a model to predict dropout, you know, relative to some of the other more standard predictors. There, there are a lot of things we need to do to, to kick the tires in terms of how these types of metadata should and, and shouldn't be used. And finally, I'd say just continuing to explore new sources of metadata. It's just incredible 
in this new big data environment, how much information we get on a daily basis. And you can capture things like when a person takes a survey, like if it's more than just a single web page or a longer web page, did they have to scroll to the bottom or did they linger on a particular item for a while or did they go back and check their work? Like you pick up all kinds of information just by how people are clicking through assessments and surveys. And so I'd be willing to bet there are a lot more clues in there about when students are disengaging and what that means for getting extra data on social emotional learning needs. Well, this is a very thought-provoking study, and it definitely seems relevant to the work that we do here at CPRI. I'd encourage our listeners to read the full article, which can be found in Educational Researcher. Again, it's titled, Identifying Naturally Occurring Direct Assessments of Social-Emotional Competencies, Promise and Limitations of Survey and Assessment Disengagement Metadata. Jim, thanks again for joining us today. Thanks again for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes of this podcast, or to subscribe to the series, visit us at cprehub.org. That's C-P-R-E-Hub.org. To share thoughts on today's episode, or to suggest future topics, follow us on Twitter at CPRIHub.org.